I'm your host, Josh Giordani. Special guest today, Alexio Barbara, a San Diego native, commercial real estate broker, third generation. Welcome. Thanks for having me on the podcast, Josh. Of course. Anytime, man. So tell, tell we were just actually chatting. It's kind of funny because we, small world in San Diego, mm-hmm. we uh, actually ended up growing up in the same exact area that I currently live in. Yeah, pretty Similar. crazy. Same, same middle school. <laughs> yep. <laughs> same high school. Well, yeah. not same high school, but I was in high school while you were in middle school at the same school, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's a small school too, a little charter school in North County, Guahomey yeah. Park Academy. Yep. <laughs> it's very funny how like all that stuff just gets tied together when you meet new people and, and all that. Yeah, honestly, I I don't know if I've met anybody else who uh, went to Guahomey uh, since I went to school there. So <laughs> how, how funny. Funny how that works out. So third generation, um, your, so I'm assuming your dad was in, in real estate as well? So um, yeah, the first... Uh, it all kind of started with my grandpa who um, he like was in, you know, a different, a different time, like, mm-hmm. you know, born 1925, like they were riding horses and stuff in Texas growing up. He ended up becoming a contractor, uh, you know, later in life and moved out to San Diego uh, with my mom and his family. And uh, he just started building a lot of projects over here. First, actually he started in Houston and then he came to San Diego and then continued that business model. Um, he actually built some of the apartment buildings that my family owns in North County. Um, and I continue to operate. It's actually kind of fun right now because they were built in 1975, 1976, something like that. And uh, now I'm renovating them. How funny. Um, so it's funny seeing like, you know, what was in at the time and what's in now. It's completely different. It's like night and day, oh, yeah. you know, shaker white cabinets before it was like, you know, oak wood, mm-hmm. hardwood, uh, really intricately designed, finish it, uh, you know, edges on the wood yep. uh, and uh, furniture and things like that. So anyway, he, uh, he was in the business. My dad is, uh, he's full French, so he has a heavy accent. And he came, um, once he married my mom, they kind of came and settled back here in San Diego. And he started kind of apprenticing behind my grandpa. Mm-hmm. And uh, my grandpa kind of showed him the, how to manage property and Eventually, my dad purchased the apartment building in North County that we uh, we own in Vista. How many units is it? Uh, that one in particular is 19 units. Okay, cool. Um, and my dad, you know, uh, learned how to refinance through his mentorship and advice, how to you know, manage tenants, manage uh, increasing the value of the property, increasing the rents over time, keeping up with market value. And... Uh, over time, as you know, you know, you refinance a property, pull some cash out, you can buy another one. Mm-hmm. Um, he was able to do that a couple times effectively. So now the portfolio in North County is upwards of 50 units. Oh, wow. We have another 10 unit project that I'm, you know, 50, 50 with, with my dad east of downtown. So I'm kind of taking on the reins now. My dad has since moved down to Playa del Carmen, Mexico. Nice. He's in retirement mode and has me as the boots on the ground here, just, uh, continuing the, uh, Continuing the family business, maintaining the family business. Power of cash flow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's amazing. And it's really cool to see how that, that business model has, you know, evolved from my grandpa to my dad and now to me. Um, and it's this, this really cool generational wealth that we talk about a lot. Absolutely. Do you, um, this is a loaded question. We talked a little bit. I used to work with my dad uh, oh, yeah. when I got into real estate. Do you find it challenging to work with family? Um, you know, I have a pretty good relationship with my dad when it comes to real estate. I think there is cha- there is a lot of challenges just because they expect 
sometimes free to work for free because sure. they, you know, they're like, hey, we're family. These are all the things I've done for you. But, um, I think for the most part, we have a really good business relationship. I don't, you know, everything seems to work well. We have even personally and in, in business, we have good relationships. I think personally it's a little tougher now because I have a son mm-hmm. and, you know, a wife and that's pulling me a different direction than sure. like, you know, you grow up with this family and you do everything that mom and dad say, right. and you go everywhere they go. And then now I've got my own life. And when they come to town, they're like, let's go do this. And I'm like, no, we're, we're doing this. You know, we have a baby now. This is, and I think it's hard for them to, uh, to grasp, to really jump on our train now. Sure. You know, I'm no longer on their train. Right. A hundred percent. So, yeah. um, I think in terms of relationship and doing business, that's, that's the dynamic. Yeah. It was tough. Cause when I was telling you before we started this, I got into real estate with my, with my dad. So for like first couple of years, it was really challenging trying to like figure out like what this, like how to mold our relationship into the correct way of like doing business. Because I'm sure as you know, like with your, your dad and him being trained by your grandpa, they have different, different ways of doing things than how maybe us as, as 30 year olds or at the time I was 20 and 19, different way of doing business, right? right. They were Raised the ones... in a completely different time and yep. culture. Mm-hmm. You know, it's evolved since then. Yeah. We're like, they're the first... My dad would always be like the first one in the door and the last one to leave where I'm the type of person to like work smarter, not harder. Mm-hmm. But now still to this day, I still work harder, but I work smarter, harder, if that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, I think it's... And that's, I think the biggest lesson from real estate and investing is that it's not about working harder, it's about working smarter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can make a few decisions that'll save you, that, and you, that'll, will, you can make a few decisions that will allow you to spend a fraction of the time mm-hmm. achieving the same or much greater outcome. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a decision to invest your money in uh, an apartment building, a duplex mm-hmm. versus a boat, sure. um, you know, will allow you to have much more financial freedom even two, three, four years down the line, just because you have that, you, you take that long-term thinking approach. Absolutely. And um, otherwise you could spend every day working at Jamba Juice and maybe you'll be at that same position in 20 years. Yeah. You definitely have to think long-term. You can't think short-term. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the biggest thing with being in the real estate industry, like for both of us, you eventually um, like as a, as a realtor or a, uh, a lender or title or escrow, mm-hmm. you have to be thinking like, do you want to be doing this for 30 years? No, you got to set yourself up for, your future self. What does that mean? Invest, right? Whether that's investing in stocks, investing in real estate, you have to diversify. So you have a, you don't want to be in this industry for 20 plus years. In my opinion, at least I don't, I want to be able to go and travel. I want to be able to go and do things with my wife, eventually have kids and not have to worry about, you know, the hustle mode all the time. Well, that's what gets me so excited. And I tell my, you know, I tell my wife about, about this particular topic. We talk about it almost weekly because, you know, there's the I want to see you more and then, uh, you know, we don't get to see you enough. And I'm like, well, you know, if I can put the hours in today, it's going to create financial freedom. Like it's crystal clear, this goal of achieving financial freedom within like a five to 10 year period where meaning like we can travel perpetually, we can enjoy all these fruits of, uh, of life. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that just means maybe spending a little bit more time in the office today so that we can create this amazing life, um, a few years down the line. I think there's a fine line there. You can't always be searching for this target. You have to enjoy the moment too. So, you know, I, I do draw the line somewhere. I make sure I get home in time to, to have walks with my family and, and spend time together on the weekends. Um, entrepreneurs, we could literally walk, work every waking yeah. hour. Yeah, yeah. And uh, sometimes you have to like work, you know, focus to shut that part of your brain off a little bit. But um, 
yeah, that long-term thinking. I think that's something you talk about. Uh, I've seen a couple of your other podcast episodes with other people that now today's generation is very short-term immediate gratification oriented. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's almost counterintuitive for a lot of people just based on how their habits have formed Mm -hmm. to uh, even think a couple years down the line or a couple months down the line, even, you know, a lot of people I know are making amazing incomes, but you know, they don't have more than five, 10 grand in the bank. That's like two months rent in San Diego. Right. So. Yeah, it's hard. I, I definitely think sacrificing a little bit, but I, but I think now, and I'm, and I'm speaking for myself, I, I am sacrificing a lot of time, but I'm, I'm able now to say no to a lot more things. And I'm saying yes to the things that I think are meaningful and mean something in my life. Um, going into like making sure like, I don't have kids yet, but we're married and I want to make sure that I am home, that I am like, we are able to go and have and sit down and have dinner together. And I am home when, before she leaves so we can spend a little bit of time in the morning together. I don't think that sacrifice these days means that you need to be working until eight or nine o'clock at night. Right. right? I think, uh, especially with you with kids, I'm sure you realize really fast that you have to get in a lot of shit within a short period of time. Like if you're working from nine to five, you're getting in a lot, you're cramming in a lot of stuff There's in no between nine to, to five. Around. No, yeah, you're, you're time blocking. You're doing it correctly. You're doing it efficiently. Right, and well, you only have so, I mean, you'll, you'll see when you have a kid too, especially mm-hmm. that first year, you go from having what seems like all the free time in the world to like, oh my God, where did it go? Right. <laughs> like yeah. every waking minute, this, this, this thing now requires this you or your partner's <laughs> attention. And that's, you know, it changes, it changes a lot of things. And if, you know, you need to give your partner a break so they can even just go and take a shower because someone knows to watch the kid while you, you know, you're in the right. bathroom. Right. So like it, it's, it's funny how that has been like a shock this year and how, you know, my kids almost, almost one turned mm-hmm. one in, in a week. So nice. that's exciting. Um, yeah, it's been a big evolution, but that time blocking has been more critical than, than ever in my life before uh, this year. You know, I used to, Go out, still make. I'm a very social guy. I want to like say yes to everything. I want to go say, oh, my friends want to go have a beer over here. Want to go meet at the beach for a barbecue, and you know, I want to say yes to all those things because I have Same. such. A, it lights yeah. me up to like have these memories and right. laughs with, with new and new people and people I've known my whole life. But I've had to start really picking and choosing when you when I say yes to those um, experiences and what I say no to, and it's been probably a good thing too because you have to. You know, it, it helps me focus my time. Yeah, where uh, where it's important. Right, hundred um, percent. I want to kind of switch gears a little bit because I'm, I'm sure we're going to get into. I want to get into obviously the real estate stuff. Sure. Um, I got attached to the one in Palm Springs. I don't know if it makes a ton of financial sense in terms of cash flow. Um, I think for most people, like starting out, that was my my first Airbnb. So, what made you get attached to it? Just the design, just a cool yeah. ass house. Like yeah. I just love the design of it. It was a, a mid-century modern, like built by a famous architect. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved what my contractors did to it, like the design mm-hmm. of it. I've always wanted to have a place in Palm Springs, mm-hmm. so I looked at it more of like we can have a second home. I can be close to my dad. Mm-hmm. So the numbers to me was like, eh, like does does it really matter? Not really. Do um, you guys ever use it as a second home, or do you mostly always have it Airbnb? Uh, so we've used it multiple times. This year has just been crazy with the wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, we just got it rented out for the first time in, uh, end of October for a month. And then we have it rented out from December through February, um, which is like 45 days and 45 days. I'm getting like 10, 11,000, something like that. Um, which is great. That's awesome. Yeah. But it was, you know, and I think with Airbnb, it's like, uh, I always compare it to like being married or being single. 
<laughs> right? You have an inconsistent relationship when it comes to an Airbnb, which means rent, right? You don't have steady rents coming in every single month. And then with my my one uh, in Encinitas, it's a marriage because consistent rents come in each right. and every month. I know what's coming in. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that's that's hard for like most people to understand like uh, with with rentals or, or purchasing investment properties is like, if you're gonna go straight after Airbnb, you're gonna have significant costs, like setup costs. Mm-hmm. For me, we spent $250,000 in the renovation. Then we also had to spend $40,000 with furniture and everything Furnishing, else, yeah. and then pictures and marketing. Mm-hmm. But I'm also holding on to this property, right, for six months without it being rented right, out. So that's a huge with, soft cost. Yep. Yeah. With with paying the mortgage, which initially was only, you know, 6000 mm-hmm. Now it's 8000 mm-hmm. So I just think that a lot of people, beginning investors, just don't understand um, the, the, the costs that associate. This is high end. So they don't understand, like, even with a low end stuff, it's still, like, if you only have enough for a down payment and maybe two months of of um, expenses, I think you need way more than that. Like, I think you should have yeah. 12 months of reserves and your down payment and enough to do furnishings. Yeah, and especially on something that's not, that needs a reno. Yeah. Because, like, I don't know, I always, I'm, I'm always trying to under-promise or, yeah, under-promise and over-deliver. Mm-hmm. But it's so hard on renovations. I feel like I'm always pushing or slightly over the budget, which is frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we were 50, we, definitely 50,000 over budget. Mm-hmm. But we also just... I just started kind of like, I want this and I want yeah. that. And like, it was, it was my fault going into it. We also did have a ton of big like issues that came, that came up that we had to fix. I mean, it's a brand new house now. Yeah. Like, we had plumbing issues. We had electrical issues. Um, yeah, and sometimes those, th- those alone could blow through the budget. Oh, you know, I mean, any dude, one of those 70 K just yeah. with the utility stuff and pool. Like, yeah, it's huge. you know, it's, yeah. That's not even including like just the main house and, and yeah, but then also it's like your experiment too because you're like, oh, well, especially the first first few, you're like, what kind of uh, finishes do I want to put in? I don't want to make this place look baller. And you're like, okay, well, that was that's what that costs. Let's see, is there yeah. another way to achieve a similar look with like maybe hex tile instead of a full slab on the shower? <laughs> you know, well, um, I had a, I had a designer <laughs> for this place too who designed the whole place, which which I love. We've got, we went back and forth like five or six times with the yeah. revisions, but I wanted to make this place like an ultra chic like mid-century modern house mm-hmm. i was able to even in this market i was able to burn it i only bought yeah. it for for six something mid six six forty um put 250 into it i was able to pull all my cash out and appraise at 1.3 so i'm only into it for like 850 or something like that yeah 59 9 something like that it's awesome um so that was i thought i was gonna be able to sell it. i was gonna initially I looked at it as a flip, and then as as we were like buying it in, in escrow, I was like, you know what, I I do want to keep this thing. Mm-hmm. So we started designing it as if it was our house, mm-hmm. um, which is cool. But it's yeah, that can that's that's where the expenses can start it, going it a little higher than they than they need to be for it, a rental. Yeah, that's why but they get emotional. It's, it's cool to have a it's cool to have properties you're proud of too. I think that that's that alone is like a healthy relationship to have with your real estate. I mean, I know there's a lot of slumlords out there who like it's all about the money. For and sure. Like I just. It's like, I want to have a good relationship. I want my tenants to be stoked. Mm-hmm. I want to have a good relationship with them. I want them to be, I want there to be a fair trade off with the amount of rent I'm asking and what they're getting. I want it to like stand out in the community 100%. and elevate the community too. I think, I think a lot of people are, uh, that's a topic I was talking about recently because there's a lot of people, uh, a lot of tenant and tenant associations in San Diego who think that, that landlords are the cause of, uh, of high rents when there's all these other factors going into play that are just natural supply and demand in economics. We've been under, uh, they've limited the supply of housing for so long. We're so behind now that rents in the last couple of years have just gone through the roof. Um, 
And then the landlords here, our properties are falling apart. Tenants are living in properties where, you know, in many cases, I mean, I've had some where I've, where I've come in as the new owner and had to ask the tenants to leave because it's just not healthy to be there. There's, you know, all kinds of, um, you know, mold and things like that on the walls, like cabinets are falling apart, water damage, sewer lines are broken. I mean, you can't allow people to live in those situations. It's not healthy for them. I mean, these fam- families have kids and stuff, and they're not saying anything. I have to, I have to come in and fix this place up. 100%. Um, and there's a huge demand for, for renovated units. As mm-hmm. you saw in your, your chic house in, in Palm Desert, I mean, people are people are excited to come and experience this, uh, well, this experience that you created, mm-hmm. you know, this, this location. And, um, you know, you put a lot of time and effort and thought into it. And, you know, I think that, that alone is it warrants doing the work that we do. Yeah. And I think one of the, I think during the time that I was buying this is, is everywhere it was all bad publicity. Airbnbs are crashing mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And I'm just one of those people who needs to experience something myself. And I, if I lose money, I lose money. Right. right? But it's my mm-hmm. money and I can afford to lose it if I lose it. And yeah. I still have an asset that I can keep or sell for a profit if I needed to. Um, but I didn't want to listen to anyone. I wanted to just try it and see what happened and go through, go through that experience without listening to news or any other bullshit. Because mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest thing from standing in the majority of people's way about investing in real estate or investing in stocks or changing their life is that the analysis paralysis, right, is overthinking things or watching too much news or not understanding things. And so for me, I just want to be able to do it first and then understand later, right? right. Like I want to go and it, like flip my first house or, um, you know, buy the Airbnb or keep a rental. Like you need to do it. You just do it and then figure it out. And maybe you do it wrong the first time, but I could afford to do it wrong. So I was willing to take that risk. I mean, I I think it's funny because you learn about all this stuff or you could go and, um, you know, take these classes in school and stuff like that. Um, but, um, you really don't learn anything until you actually experience it yourself. Yeah. And, uh, I think that, like you said, that gets in a lot of people's way. But once I tell everybody, it was like the first deal is the hardest. Once you get the first one done, you get comfortable with this business. You start to understand. Maybe you did fall on your face a couple of times, mm-hmm. but you know it wasn't catastrophic because you had people like me or you who mm-hmm. are who are uh, there and able to uh, provide advice along the way, so they don't you know do something catastrophic. Absolutely. But um, once you get that first deal, you, you you get hooked on it because yeah. you're like, wow, this makes sense. I understand this long term approach to investing in real estate and and creating better living situations for people, and at the same time improving my wealth along the way. Um, I think it's huge. So uh, you have to experience it yourself, hundred percent. And I think surrounding yourself with, like we said, the right people is extremely important, right? Like my my mentor, a good friend of mine, like he pushed me to to actually buy both of the the rentals that I bought this year, mm-hmm. and. Honestly, both of them have increased my net worth this year alone, like a million dollars in terms of what I bought them for and what, what equity I have in the deals. And I wouldn't have done that if it wasn't for him to push me and say, Hey dude, you got this. Like you, you have enough experience. You flipped enough houses. You can, you can do this on your own. Mm -hmm. And that was a a huge thing. And I'm dude, forever grateful, like forever grateful for him. So it's, it's amazing experience to have people in your corner that like, are rooting for you to do the right thing. And especially like, I'm sure like your mentors or your dad, like all oh, yeah. these people are like, dude, if you find the right deal, we'll figure it out. Like we'll create a tremendous amount of net worth, like through just buying deals. You need to surround yourself with people who want you to win. Yeah. I mean, I've seen a lot of, there's, there's, you know, a lot of examples of people in town or have mentors who are just using you to 
find the deals so that they can have it all themselves. Like mm-hmm. I want the people who are bringing me deals to have a part in them if they want it, or I want them to win. I want to help show them the way to, to do what we're doing so that they can continue to improve communities and, and also uh, create gener- generational wealth mm-hmm. along the way. Um, I think it's so important to surround yourself with people who have your best interests in mind as well. 100%. It, in many ways, in many times, like for my juniors who work for me, I tell them, I'm like, Hey, you know, you can work here for a year and I hope that you get a, you, you get experience from that, that you can take to whatever job you decide if right. this isn't for you. Right. You know, I will support you in any endeavor that you want. Um, I'm not going to get butthurt if after a year you decide to leave like, right. like a lot of people might because, you know, they feel like they've put a lot of time and effort. It's, it's about wanting what's best for your employees too. 100%. And speaking of that, like Liam, mm-hmm. dude, he's such oh. a, like such a good dude, you know, and he's I'm the best. Yeah. yeah. He's just, um, he's one of those people who I, who I like connected. He DM me after, I think, I, uh, after I had Chris on my podcast, mm-hmm. he had DM me and him and I just like went and had coffee and just shot mm-hmm. the shit. And he's just so attentive and like truly, you, you know, when someone cares. Right. Mm-hmm. And he was one of those people who I like looked at and I was like, dude, you're going to do great things. Like whatever you decide to do, if it's not commercial, if it's not right. this, if yeah. it's not that, like you will find what fits for you and you will do great things because people can see that he is very authentic. Like he seems like a wholehearted, really good person. Yeah. And like, I'm sure like He's you are so excited. It's awesome. I 100%. just love having that energy around. Same. I mean, Every morning. It's awesome because I get to the office and he's already, because I told him, I was like, your schedule when you start, it has to be like, you know, getting here at seven, getting that BS work out of the way, getting ready for the day. And then 8 a.m. just hitting it hard. 100%. He's there every day before I get there, greets me when I arrive. And then I have like literally five minutes to write my goals down. And then he's like, hey, can we do some follow-up calls? And I'm like, yes, I would love to do that. Like he you just, are just an animal. You're so hungry. And I and, love that. Everybody yeah. he meets says the same thing. And it's yeah. really cool. I'm really Happy to have him on our team and to do big things. That's actually how we connected too, which is kind of funny because yeah. we, we, yeah. we were at um, Jarvis's event. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like in a rush to get out of there. I was so tired. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, you could just tell, like obviously you and I, like we're around so many people all the time. And you, when you meet people, you can see through the bullshit, mm-hmm. right? You know who's authentic and who's not authentic and who's here for the right reasons and who's not. And he was just one of those people who I like instantly was like, like, I like you a lot. Like, if you need anything yeah. ever, like, yeah. I will, like, yeah. you know, and it's not like, a lot of times I think people look at things of, like, how can they add value to me versus mm-hmm. me where I'm like, I, I don't care. Yeah. I just I just want to add yeah. value to you because I, I, I can see good things yeah. out of you and I think you'll do really good things. Yeah, and, and rising tides lift all ships. If I can help rise your tide, I'm sure I'll, 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 I'll come up with you in some ways. And, yeah, I really... Uh, I, I think that I love that about Liam too. And I hope that, uh, I hope that, you know, as, as time goes on, I think I, I look back, it kind of reminds me of, of me when I was coming out of college, like soup, like I had the, you know, I hadn't really been hardened by, by the world in many ways, <laughs> right. which, which in some ways is, you know, I, I was so openly trusting to people mm. almost too much. And it's caused me, you know, it caused me issues because mm. you know, people took advantage of that. And, you know, since then I've had to put up these barriers, which I, you know, I wish I didn't have to do, but that's just the reality of yeah. life. You, yeah. you can't just, you know, trust people with everything, but I hope that he, he maintains that spirit uh, because it's infectious. Everybody he talks to 100%. Is, uh, is affected by it. So, yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's just an awesome, it's an awesome quality that yeah. he has. Um, let's talk a little bit about, um, I think a big part of that is like the victim mentality. Mm-hmm. 
right? And them being a victim to maybe not being able to, like not having a good job or not not wanting to do more for themselves to eventually go and purchase a house. So the only thing they can do is bash people yeah, who are doing it. about it. It's yeah. like, take, a, take some initiative and, you know, there is so much opportunity in this business and really oh any God. business. I mean, we could flip shoes. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I, what, one of the, one of my passions is to eventually create, uh, housing for special needs, um, or children with uh, children and families with, uh, that have special needs. And, um, like there's, th- there's so many needs. I mean, think about anything that you wish you had, like fill that need in society. Like 100%. there's, there's demand for it. And like people who are complaining that they don't have enough, that like the, the, apartment owners or the, uh, and the, these real estate developers who are innovating and creating new ways to actually solve the housing crisis. I mean, I'm literally building ADUs. I'm converting garage spaces into more units uh, so that that are going to be hyper affordable. I'm renting some units east of downtown that are 1250 a month. I mean, they're really small, but right. like it's the most affordable thing on the market. And a lot of people just need a roof over their head. Absolutely. And they're nice units too. They got quartz counters and everything. But, you know, for people to get angry that we're filling a need in society. I mean, it's, it's backwards thinking and they're getting in their own way. hundred percent. And I think too, like I wish, um, I'm a little bit older for my five years, years 35. So when I first got into real estate in 2009, I think that was like YouTube, like, like Facebook just had started. Right. But I was like, I had to learn through like internet research and stuff that really wasn't like from real people that were in the market that knew what they were doing. And especially coming out of a recession, I think now the access to tech with technology to education on how to be able to make more money from your phone or do whatever university. Right. Like, and and not, I'm not talking just real estate, right. I'm talking about anything like creating wealth. Like, um, you can learn anything you want. Yeah. There's experts just preaching it hundred percent, but like more with more expertise in many cases, and your college professors. Now, I know there's a lot of, like, fake news, too. A lot of people oh, who yeah. aren't qualified to be giving right. advice and are giving advice. So you kind of got to make sure you're hearing from a couple different sources and make your best thing. But, like, I'm, I'm learning guitar. I was watching guitar. I got a guitar yesterday. I was watching guitar tutorials on how to learn Jack Johnson. You can learn literally anything. I was uh, I just did hop mops in a garage yesterday. I've never done a hop mop before. I didn't right. personally do it. But learned from those people and then looked on YouTube after how to install tile, how big of shower tiles can we have on the bottom. Like, it's just all that information's right there. You don't have to go flip through an encyclopedia for 10 minutes. You literally can say, Siri, show me a video on this, and mm-hmm. it's right there. It's, it's so much opportunity. There is. And that's why those comments, I think, drive me nuts because I'm just like, okay, if it is like a money thing, if it's like you can't afford to buy a house and you think that we're pushing up prices and causing, you know, issues with supply, okay, like, go and do some research and go. But I think the biggest thing is not watching the negative people. You know, there's so many people that are negative also online where oh, yeah. like someone like that can align themselves with someone super negative and then all of a sudden hold themselves back from doing something bigger and better that they're that they're meant to do. Right. Well, it's like politics too. It's like they they're constantly trying to do the us versus them and yeah. wealthy versus the poor and stupid. When when really it's like how about we all just like rising tides really should lift all ships. Mm-hmm. Like if you wanted advice on how to do something for me, if I have the expertise, I want to share that with you. I'm not, I'm not concerned that you're going to be a competition with me. Like we all have good intentions in mind. Um, and again, I think these people are just getting in their own way. They're in the mentality of, I can't, they, they don't believe in themselves, mm-hmm. I guess, because they don't think that they can pick themselves up by the bootstraps and actually learn something new and, and create a different life. They think they're stuck in this rut, the society, this cage that society put them in and really doors open all around you. You're just not walking out. 
hundred percent. And you have to have, like, I have the abundance mindset, like you. And, and I think for everyone listening, like you have to think like that. You have to, like, if you can do it once, like, let's say your goal was to make $10,000 a month. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you had some shitty months. Mm-hmm. If you can make 10,000 a month, you can do it every single month and you can do even better than that. Just putting a little bit more effort and a little bit more effort and it continues to grow. Yeah. And you just have to have the mindset that like anything is possible. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's crazy too. You get this momentum, you, every single thing that you do, it's, uh, you know, you run into all these obstacles, but every single thing that you do, you have now, now you've added one more skill to your repertoire. Now you, all of a sudden, like five years go by. And even if they took away like your whole business, mm-hmm. you've got all these skills that you built up. You're, able to fill so many needs in society it's so that much easier to just jump right back in and start you know creating income at a higher salary and and you know understanding how to do that is is um i think it's it's a gift and if if people ignore that gift then they're just missing out on life altogether 100 percent, yeah it's huge um well dude thank you for coming on i appreciate you this has been a great episode um, hope you all enjoyed. Do you want to give out your, your socials and yeah, no, I appreciate you it? having me on Josh. It's been really cool getting to know you too. And, uh, hope we do some deals together. Yeah. Um, my, uh, you guys, if you want to follow me, my Instagram handle is cashflow Alexio. That's cashflow A L E X I O. And, uh, yeah, if you go find me on there, really Twitter, LinkedIn, everything, it's similar, uh, similar handle and, uh, be happy to answer any questions you have or help you do business and, San Diego real estate. (laughs) Love it, dude. Yeah. Cool, man. Sweet.